Alright, hello everybody, today is Friday, another Anything Goes Friday. Welcome to the show, how's everybody doing? And just to let you guys know that, here on Black Box Online Radio, I've been doing a regular series about the Phantom Killer, the story of the Texarkana Moonlight Murders from 1946, and those episodes come out every Wednesday, and if you would like to like and subscribe, then you can follow along with all of these true crime discussions. In addition to that, you can also download the show for free at Launchpad 1. There's a link to that in the description box. That's the audio version as a pure podcast. And a great way to support all of these efforts is to go over to buymeacoffee.com, and anybody who makes a donation or a contribution to help the show will get a shout-out on the Monday episodes. And every Monday is Zodiac Monday here on Black Box Online Radio talking about the Zodiac Killer. Throughout the episodes and the saga of the Phantom Killer, you will early on encounter a name, Lone Wolf Gonzalez, a Texas Ranger who rose to somewhat of a celebrity status. And because I was doing that series, I wanted to read his biography, Lone Wolf Gonzalez, Texas Ranger, written by Bronson Mulsh. And he was not only famous for his involvement in the Phantom Killer investigations, Lone Wolf Gonzalez was also involved in the 1927 Santa Claus bank robbery from Cisco, Texas. And I would like to turn to Bronson Mulsh's uh, chapter on that, talking about how Santa Claus is a thief. It's actually chapter 6 in the book, if anybody would like to um, read this in the future. And I had heard of the Santa Claus bank robbery before, and there have been at least two requests for an episode about this case here on Black Box Online Radio. And if anybody has any ideas for future episodes, you can put them in the comments section down below, or you can send them to blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. There's a link to that in the description box. However, I do confess the topic list is getting rather big, but as you see, better late than never, even a couple of years later, getting to some of the requested topics. But I would like to begin with something from page 69, sorry, and, um, where it talks about the Santa Claus bank robbery. The Christmas season of 1927 was ruined in Cisco by four bandits who robbed the First National Bank on Friday, December 23rd. A bizarre facet of the case was that it captured national attention because the leader of the gang wore a Santa Claus costume. He alone had a semblance of disguise, and it was in the form of a white beard, and that part went with the outfit. When his identity became known, it was later realized that he was disguised for the reason that he was well-known in the town. Poorly planned and badly bungled, the robbery turned out to be a complete failure insofar as the theft of funds was concerned. The first thing that went wrong was for the outlaws. The first thing that went wrong for the outlaws was that they moved into the building with two girls aged 10 and 12 tagging along at Santa's heels. As a result, what ensued, the children's faith in the jolly old elf was badly shaken. And I was trying to find an exact, um, confirmation of that detail where the henchmen dressed as elves. But, um, in, in some of the, uh, accounts it talks about that. But I was like, is that really true? I mean, I can get that Santa is wearing this costume. Or that, um, as they said, he had a white beard naturally, so... That's um one reason why he created the Santa Claus costume and the idea, but I'm sorry if that just sounds a little bit funny, and I I think that that's some fair territory. 
but they're just so uh, consumed with the idea of <laughs> trailing Santa's elves. With the entrance of Santa, a man walked up to the desk of cashier Alex Spear and pulled out a pistol and ordered all those in the bank to raise their hands. Thinking that it was a joke, the customers and the employees were slow to do so, but when Santa Claus drew a pistol and two additional men did the same in the side door with guns in hand, it dawned on them that it wasn't a laughing matter. Bear in mind that this is December 23rd of 1927. This is just days before Christmas. I mean, if that were to happen to me, I probably would have thought that it was a joke too. So, I mean, I think that that's just an appropriate response. Those in the building were herded into a tight little group, and they were kept in the rear while the vault was being ransacked and money was shoved into sacks. The cash totaled $12,200 and about $150,000 in bonds. The latter turned out to be of no value to the bandits as the bonds were non-negotiable. Much more cash was overlooked when they started out the side door headed for the Buick, which was standing in the alley. The bandits kidnapped the two girls, Emma Mae Robinson and Laverne Comer, also Marion Olson, who had come to Cisco from Harvard University for the holidays. The girls and Olsen were used as shields. In the confusion of the moment, Mrs. B.T. Blazingame fled with her six-year-old daughter, running to the police station, which was about one block distant, to turn in the alarm. And, um, you know, some people like Marion Olsen just seem like she was caught in the crossfire. However, with these two girls, I mean, imagine how innocent that is just walking up because you see these people dressed up in Christmas costumes two days before Christmas only to find out that um they're bank robbers and like being 10 years old is probably just thinking oh crap but part of me still hopes that these two girls were just kind of laughing on the inside thinking that they're gonna be in some type of larger than life plot and they're thinking that they're somewhat badass as I said, trying to hold an optimistic view of the situation. Cisco Chief of Police G.E. Bradford and Patrolman George Carmichael ran the bank and challenged the thieves who commenced firing. In the subsequent blaze of gunfire, Olsen was struck in the right side. Chief Bradford was killed and Carmichael received a bullet to the head. He died later. Two of the bandits were wounded before they went down. R.L. Day, an operator of the Cisco Cafe, rushed up to the car and pulled the trigger of his own gun, which misfired. A shot from inside the vehicle creased his scalp. Cashier's spear was shot through the jaw, and Pete Rutherford in his thigh. Brady Boggs was shot through the leg, breaking bone, and Oscar Cleat was shot with a less serious injury. And as you see, it's really gone from a light-hearted story to something that is um, rather saddening. And it goes to show you that even if someone had created this wacky, comical idea of robbing, robbing the bank dressed as Santa Claus, it um, the humor can only last so long, and then it turns back to, um, well, just recognizing for what it is, a selfish, poorly planned crime. With a gun held on him, he was ordered to shut up and remain seated. Olsen defied that command and got out of the car and ran. Miraculously, he was not shot to death. The outlaw sped from the alley and headed south. Their next bit of trouble came when they were forced to stop about half a mile from the bank because their automobile had a flat tire. There was only one thing to do, and that was commandeer a car. And this is wrong. What these people are doing is wrong. Please be very clear about that. 
But in terms of practicality, at that point, that's, I was thinking the exact same thing. That would be the next logical move, as opposed to the time that it would take to change a flat tire and draw attention to oneself. Stealing another car or uh, taking control of someone else's vehicle would be the move. They seized one in which 14-year-old Woodrow Harris from Rising Star was seated at the wheel. In their frenzy to keep moving, the thieves did not realize that the youth who had fled the scene along with his family had removed the key before he took off for other parts. That was discovered after they transferred to Harris's car and several sacks of burglar tools and ammunition, the bonds, and the $12,200 in cash. They also moved the two children to the other vehicle. I wasn't around in 1927, but it seems like 14-year-olds didn't mind driving. When the car could not be started, because it did not have a key, they were obliged to get in the back. Buick with its flat tire, and by that time, pursuit had caught up with them, and the battle ensued. In their haste, they ordered Laverne and MMA to throw the sacks out at the of the Harris car. They did that with one exception, the sack containing the $12,200. It was a fortunate oversight on the part of the children. Not realizing that they had been shortchanged, three of the robbers sped away in the original vehicle, taking the girls with them, but deserting one of their number, Ellie Davis, who had been critically wounded. And um, I don't think that that type of behavior is unexpected, but it's some really lousy stuff that the, uh, these criminals are doing. And Ellie Davis had been critically wounded during their flight, they threw out roofing uh, nails to slow the cars chasing them. In the countryside, they were forced to abandon the Buick. The terrified girls were left in it, where they were later found by members of the posse. So, um, I think that if the girls had any type of humor in them, it probably faded rather quickly once they were on the road, and they realized that it's not going to be over in three minutes or four minutes, but they've actually been kidnapped. So really, this isn't the Santa Claus bank robbery. It's the Santa Claus bank robbery, murder, and kidnapping, because numerous people have already died in this uh, tragic event. Davis was taken to the hospital in grave condition. Outside the building, where people were gathering, incensed by the murder of the chief and the injury to the others, threats of lynching Davis were being made. What is it with people named Davis committing crimes, Jesus? A call for help had gone out, and not only to neighboring counties, but also to the adjutant general in Austin. He ordered Captain Tom Hickam and Lone Wolf Gonzalez, a Texas ranger, to Cisco. They arrived after after dark on the 23rd. Because of the growing mob outside the hospital, and despite the fact that Davis was thought to be near death, he was transferred to the Fort Worth Hospital, where he died on Sunday night, which was also Christmas Eve. The Santa Claus suit was found when Laverne and M. May were picked up. On it were bloodstains, which had come from Marshall Ratliff, later identified as the gang leader and the wearer of the Santa Claus costume. He had been shot in the chin, I mean, he sounds like an absolute criminal, but that does sound painful indeed. Prior to the arrival of Hickman and Gonzalez, orders had been given to members of the posse to shoot to kill in the event of encountering the bandits. When engaged in another fight, no more chances were to be taken. Men spread through the post-Oak country of Eastland County in a grim search for the fugitives, but they were not to be seen. Their trail was picked up now by the 
by the means of blood and the indentations that had been made in the soil, easily recognizable heel prints had been identified. The search continued through the night and on to the next day towards Saturday evening. Some of the men returned home to be with their families for the traditional opening of gifts, but hundreds other of others stayed with the posse, taking no time out from the hunt. Bloodhounds had been brought in from Gatesville, but were of little use in tracking the trail. Hickman went to Fort Worth to secure photographs of known bank bandits from the Bureau of Identification. These were brought to Cisco, so bank employees and others could examine them with the hope of identifying the remains of those who were still at large. And I think um, already, I'm sure you guys are getting somewhat of the idea that there is going to be a, a difference in the way that the citizens of Cisco would view Christmas for years to come. Because as you heard, n numerous families had more or less given up on that people, especially men from these families, had just gone out to stay with the posse to try and catch the bank robbers. They're not even going through with the Christmas celebrations. And you might, that might not be the first thing that people are going to think about with the Santa Claus bank robbery murder kidnapping. But it did impact the way that people thought about Christmas in this town. And um, in some of the sources, it says like as as long as 10 years, it was still the same type of morbid, somber feeling around the time of Christmas. During the hunt on Friday, Palo Pinto County Sheriff Gibb Abernathy was injured when his gun went off when he was getting out of his car. The blast took two fingers off his right hand and inflicted a serious wound to his right leg. Sounds painful. Abernathy was taken to the hospital at Cisco for treatment. He suffered a severe loss of blood and required transfusions provided by the people from Palo Pinto, Eastland, Stevens, and Young Counties. The three bandits who remained at large had no planned route for escape from the vicinity of their crime. They wandered in an unorganized manner around Cisco, trying to find a means by which they could to get some distance between them and the town. While hundreds of men beat the bushes east, south, and southwest of Cisco, from Friday afternoon through Sunday, the fugitives were never far from their pursuers. At the time, the hunted and hunters were so close to one another that the criminals heard posse members crashing through the brush within a stone's throw shortly after midnight in the beginning hours of monday december twenty sixth the bandits kidnapped carl wiley at his home near putnam which lay west of cisco they weren't interested in wiley himself but in his car in which he drove home from a late date as the outlaws took off the farm home with carl wiley in their clutches, and his father, R.C. Wiley, came out the door of the residence and started firing at them. The only casualty was his son, who received a minor but painful wound from the gunfire. I mean, that is just the well, not a, not the worst possible scenario, but that's a pretty bad scenario. The weather was bad, a cold norther had blown, and unaccompanied by intermittent rain and sleet. They carried me about the county all day. There were three in the crowd, and there were two that were wounded, he said. Last night, which was a Monday, we stayed in the pasture eight miles north of Cisco and nearly froze. One of the robbers took my overcoat, Wiley related. This morning, on Tuesday, we drove into Cisco in the city limits. One of the robbers scouted around the area until he found a Ford touring car without curtains. They got into it and left me. I drove into town. In, the, in his recounting of the circumstances, the kidnapping 
itself told something. Carl Wiley continued. The robbers came to our place soon after midnight, Sunday, saying that they were they had a sick man and they wanted to borrow a car. My father told them that I was away but would return soon. They waited until I showed up at one o'clock. They then pulled their guns and made me accompany them. After appropriating the Ford car, they kept heading north, crossed Stevens County, and by late mornings ran into a roadblock near South Bend in Young County. It had been put in place by Sheriff Jim Foster and his Young County deputies. The robbers reversed direction, and the officers gave chase for about two miles, seeing they could not outrun the sheriff's car. The outlaws pulled the ford over and jumped out of it, firing as they ran. The officers returned fire, and one man was brought down with a load of buckshot. He proved to be Marshal Ratliff, the Santa Claus himself. His companions fled into the cedar brakes and were lost to sight. Ratliff suffered five wounds. Three were received in the battle at his capture, and two were sustained during and soon after the robbery at the bank. One of the escapees from the fight was known to have been shot in the hand. Heavy rain that fell during the night obliterated the tracks and the cedar brakes, but with clearing weather on Wednesday morning, a reconnaissance plane was brought in by Lone Wolf Gonzalez, and he was the passenger who searched the land and gave instructions to the pilot for maneuvering. It was determined that the two fugitives had crossed the Brazos River in the vicinity of Bunger. A farm boy reported that he had seen two men make their way across a clearing. To him it appeared that one had broken, one had a broken or otherwise injured arm. More than 150 men were making an acre-by-acre -acre search in the Gooseneck Bend section of southeastern Young County, but without success, due to the brush that almost seemed impenetrable in many places, Aerial reconnaissance continued throughout Wednesday and all on Thursday. The end of the chase came unexpectedly as its beginning. On the morning of Friday, December 30th, one week to the day since the Santa Claus bank robbery at First National in Cisco, two ragged and exhausted and furthermore wounded men stumbled into Graham, the young county seat. They approached a young man on the street and asked for directions to a rooming house where they might get accommodations. He realized who they were, but he quietly gave them directions. Then he rushed to the sheriff's office. Everyone was astonished. The criminals were supposed to be still in the Brazos River brush country, some seven miles south of Graham. And at that point, though, it makes you think that these guys perhaps could have gotten away with it if they hadn't been so blatant or or given up on the stealthy aspect of it. If they hadn't chosen to go into town, would they have gotten away with it? I mean, perhaps at some point they might have um, just simply reached a breaking point, and perhaps this was it. But if they're looking for them seven miles south of where they actually are, and this is in a time when electronics are going to be mega, mega, mega limited, if they're using anything like that at all. What is it, um, fingerprints, bloodhounds, and intuition is how people are trying to solve crimes in 1927. It seems like they could have gotten away with it, but there's just that, um, perhaps a, a lack of mental fortitude at this point, or they just could not tolerate the, uh, the rough life anymore, and they had to go into this town. 
The officers instantly followed up on the alarm as they approached them. The two men separated and startled, and started a stumbling effort to run, but they were too weak and feverish to get far, and perhaps it's a little bit beyond mental fortitude. They were probably in a genuinely weakened state. They were taken to the Young County Jail, booked and quickly identified as Hick identified by Hickman and Gonzalez under the names of Henry Helms and Robert Hill. Both were ex-convicts. As far as Gonzalez and Hickman were concerned, that ended their connection to the case. However, the matter dragged on for months that stretched into years. There were trials held, sentences handed down and appealed, and tempers tried. Before the entire matter could be laid to rest, there would be a lynching to a great many people. Christmas was ruined in Cisco, not only in 1927, but for a decade to follow. And I've been talking about this story with some mixed responses, but one thing that needs to be reiterated is that these guys did something that was very wrong. They committed a crime for their own selfishness, and for personal gain. I mean, that's a bank robbery, almost certainly. There's the element of personal gain. People died, and they created an image of fear and terror within the town of uh, Cisco, as well as the surrounding areas, because these guys escaped, and they kidnapped children. And even though the children were recovered, they're still on the run, and they're forming these posses that are going out, and they're just trying to locate them. And I really this news of these people who orchestrated a poorly planned bank robbery did create an image of fear and terror. And as you heard very clearly from Brownson Malls, it stayed with the residents of Cisco for years. And Christmas wouldn't be a time of holidays, but rather a time of when people are thinking about these horrible tragedies. And one more time, the book that I was using to cite the sources from is Lone Wolf Gonzalez, Texas Ranger by Brownson Mulch. And if you do tune in to some of the Phantom Killer episodes, I'm going to be doing something much more extended. That was just a few pages from his book here. And there's a lot more about Lone Wolf Gonzalez and the Phantom Killer mystery, as well as a theory that gets discussed about who the Phantom Killer could be how law enforcement responded, but mostly I would like to um, turn it over to you guys. Do you notice anything immediate about the Santa Claus bank robbery? And, I mean, do you have any responses at all? Is there any type of um, immediate feedback, or just what does it make you think about? Were these some people who just thought that they were really clever, but it turned out that they weren't confident, they were just arrogant? And that's why they made not only a bunch of a bunch of childish mistakes, but it seems like they were also very cold and heinous. Maybe not methodical and calculating, but definitely opportunistic, and they showed a very strong indifference to human life by orchestrating this. And it starts out as such a silly idea, wearing some dorky costumes to go into a bank and try and rob the place dressed as Santa on December 23rd, but the comedy quickly turned to tragedy, 
Okay, you can share anything you want in the comments section down below. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio.com. You can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box. And there is always blackboxnid88 over on Instagram for the bonus podcast. And feel free to tune in on Mondays for Zodiac Mondays and Wednesday for talking about the Phantom Killer. And I will see you on Instagram one more time. Until next time.